Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fadoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valero and I talk about training camp and my one-on-one interview with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Joe, before we get into uh, training camp here, which is, has started, um, really cool experience for me that um, the people with – Patrick Mahomes' campaign uh, for Head and Shoulders, he was in the ad with Troy Polamalu, kind of <laughs> reached out to me and gave me an opportunity to speak with him for 15 minutes, one-on-one, which, you know, a lot of reporters have a ch- have had a chance, obviously, in press, con- press conference situations, but rarely like a one-on-one. So I had to talk about the ad a little bit, but also got to ask him, um, you know, some just questions about everything, uh, off the field, what he's focused on, so it was a very cool experience, and I came away, as everyone always is, impressed by him, as, as impressed as you can be with somebody with just spending 15 minutes on the phone. And I was going to share um, – this is what was so neat, Joe, is just – I think it shows a lot about Mahomes. I was going to play the first, you know, 20 seconds of our, our interview because it shows how much he listens to the questions and, uh, and how he's got a sense of humor. So th- this was pretty cool. Here, So I have I, – my wife had her first child – our first child uh, who's six months old now in uh, January. So it's been fun to watch the progress that you have written on social media because it's very, not that far removed. So that's been fun. So do you have any tips for me? Any parenting tips? I thought you were giving me the tips. You're a little bit Well, so how cool you're talking fatherhood and parenting with Patrick Mahomes, Joe. And what's neat about that, that's just a little segment. But, like, this is the end of a media junket. It was toward the end of the day. He's done a lot of these interviews. And he was still, like, listening to my quest. You know, he processing it enough to know that that uh, my, my son was born about a month or yeah. six weeks and still listening and, like, joking about it. And that was just one example uh, of just how impressive, like everyone said, uh, a person he is. Yeah, Jeff, that's awesome. Well, number one, great that you got to do that with them and to get built that relationship with Patrick and do the interview. And you're right. He did the math. Like he actually did the math and like he was listening. I think that is the most impressive part, right? That he had actually had to figure that out. Um, he could have had a really stock answer for that. And, you know, he could have said, Oh, it's great being a parent, you know, how blessed I am, blah, blah, blah. But he didn't, he made it about you. Right. And that's what the really good ones do. Right. They, they, they listen and they make it about the person that they're talking to. Right. And he was like, Hey, I was taking, I should be taking tips from you. You're, you're more veteran than I am at this thing. Right. And here's, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just, you're right. It speaks volumes about who he is and why he is such a part of that Kansas city community. Right. I've been reading a lot, you know, people in, in social media have been posting a lot about the things that Patrick has done. Right. Everybody's 
all into it now, right? Because training camp started and everybody's back out on the field. And they're talking about the things that he and Brittany have done in the Kansas City community with the 15 and Mahomes Foundation, with yeah, the supporting Kansas City. Yeah, he just added you know, that with the, with the ownership, uh, yeah. the ownership stake in in the professional franchises that are there. I mean, he's putting roots down there. He is not somebody who you know. I'm sure that there were a lot of New England people that thought. Tom Brady was going to live in New England forever, right? When we all know he's a California kid, right? And then he ends up going to Tampa. Like that that was a that was a bad marriage breakup there, right? With the folks mm-hmm. from New England. Patrick Mahomes, I'm serious. I, I'm not just saying this because we cover the Chiefs and we're talking about Patrick and, and his interview with you. I that that guy's here to stay. Like he he has made himself part of the community and it's become such a, a woven you know, it's become so interwoven into the fabric that he's not going anywhere. And you can tell he loves it there. And I think that's so cool. So cool that the, that the Chiefs will be able to hang that number 15 up for a really, really long time and even past his playing days. Yeah, his, his contract goes into the next decade, 2031. So other nuggets that he said, and, and this has been reported elsewhere, he said that his toe is 100%. It really was during the OTAs where he could do everything. But a full go at training camp. He said really his focus um, for the off season, um, other than getting a few trips in, a lot of golfing trips. He went to Texas, he went to Cabo, he went to Tahoe for the tournament he always does. Um, the, uh, the other kind of uh, focus was focus on his decision-making. He said he wants to get the ball out even a little bit quicker. So that's his quarterback coach, Jeff Christensen. He was working on breaking down tape and doing drills with him. And I, I thought this was interesting, Joe, that, you know, I asked him because this is about an ad campaign. He's now in so many ads. He's in these head and shoulders. He's in these State Farm commercials. I'm sure we'll see him in more, maybe some Bose ads too, and certainly locally as well. Um, if it's weird seeing, seeing himself, like being watching TV and, and seeing that come up. And he said it, it was at first that he used to have to like walk out of the room, <laughs> but now he's gotten more comfortable. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is, you know, it is uncomfortable sometimes, you know, when you're, you know, when you, you're, you're used to playing a sport, you, you are used to watch, having people watch you play. Even, you know, even in Little League, there's still family and friends and stuff that come to those games and watch. And, and you get used to it as an athlete, right? You get used to performing for people. Um, and it's funny how different the, 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 the mode is when, when it's like an acting gig or whether it was, you know, like when I was doing the, the radio show or right. – or when I was doing the TV stuff on, on channel nine, like to see myself and hear myself, like it, it does throw you off. Even though I was very used to quote, I'm air quoting here, performing for people on the football field and baseball and basketball and, you know, other sports that I played, it was so different when it went out of your comfort zone. Um, and it was something that was maybe a little bit more intimate or personal, mm-hmm. like going on television or being in, in somebody's, you know, somebody's radio and coming out, you know, through their car speakers. But it, 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 is, it is unusual. And I'm sure he's, number one, he better get used to it because the guy is going to be a staple <laughs> from, a, from a product perspective, from a, you know, uh, just a, a spokesperson perspective. People are going to be coming after him for years and years and years because he's so likable, he's so relatable, and he's so darn good that people are going to want to associate with him from a marketing perspective. So he's, 
I'm glad he's getting used to it now, three, four years into his career, because he better get used to it, because it's going to be a long gig for him <laughs> being in front of the camera and, and being on a microphone for sure. And the reason, of course, he was in front of the camera for head and shoulders makes sense. He has this, you know, his, his quaff is, is pretty well known, kind of uh, yeah. shaved and shorts on the side, high on the top. But he did, so he said that's probably, you know, was the reason he got this. But he did caution that he's like, you know, his, his daughter is now about four or five months old, um, that he doesn't know if the hairstyle, you know, if he's a fifth, if the daughter's 15 and he has like a teenager, he said, he might look a little goofy at that point, having that hairstyle. Yeah. <laughs> that could change. He'll be with Kansas City. He'll be uh, in front of, in your TV sets on commercials, maybe a different um, hairstyle in the twilight of his career. But now a word from our sponsor. July is underway and a great month for sports. If you're into sports betting, bet online is where you should go to win money today. With the NBA Finals ending and the MLB heading into the second half of the season, there's plenty of betting action to get involved in. If you're a football better, there are tons of futures and props bets you can wager on as well, including the odds for Patrick Mahomes to win another MVP. Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports book needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip off, face off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Uh, Joe, and now, now let's dig into a little bit of a training camp. Uh, the team is there, uh, and, and now it just started. I mean, they're not even in shoulder pads yet. Quarterbacks, rookies, injured players got there a little before, but the whole team, we're quoting and posting this on Wednesday, is here. And Joe, what we're so interested in, uh, that everyone's interested in the focus, is the offensive line. And we knew what the left side would be, right? You know, yeah. uh, Joe Tooney at, at left guard. Orlando Brown left tackle, Creed Humphrey at center. But their interesting part, Joe, um, the right side, you have Remmers, who we kind of predicted a right tackle, but the really interesting part, Trey Smith, the rookie, the late round pick, he's he opened up with the ones. Yeah. Joe, yeah. on that. Well, I mean, you know, look, he went through the he went through the trials and tribulations of minicamp, right? So as as different as minicamp is these days as opposed to, you know, the 90s and, and maybe even in the early parts of 2000s. I mean, minicamp's a little different these days. But nonetheless, you know, he went through the stages of, of what it, you know, what it means. So, you know, this, this line really mirrors, you know, the mandatory minicamp, right? So it, it's, it's exactly, it's exact reflection of, of what they were looking at going through that. And you, so you can't penalize Trey Smith for earning – Again, I'm air quoting, he earned the position to be there. You know, LDT was not in, in a lot of the OTA stuff. He was off last year. Um, he's going to have to earn it, you know, and I think maybe that's what Andy is telling the, you know, Brett Beach and Andy and, you know, Eric Bieniemy when they all get together and talk about personnel decisions and things like that. You know, maybe they're going to have to make LDT earn it, you know. Um, as much as what he did was, you know, super – incredible right as far as you know you don't want to penalize him for doing what he did that was so honorable what what ldt did you know in, in during the COVID times but nonetheless it is a, it is you know it is a team and it's a sport and 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 he's going to have to earn you know that position back i you know i think even you know I, I've, I've seen it happen before you know where you know you take somebody who you think is going to be a starter and you have to make them earn it so i think that's what they're probably sending that message right now is is telling everybody that 
this is going to be a battle. You know, while we know in our minds that some of these positions are completely locked up, barring any unforeseen circumstances like injuries and things like that, uh, especially like you mentioned, Jeff, with 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 Orlando, Joe, and Creed at the left center side. and left yeah. side. You know, I think they're saying, "Hey, look, guys, nobody's position safe." It, it sends a message to the whole team when that kind of stuff happens. You know, if LDT walks in there, and and Laurent is the is the number one, you know, right guard, and people go, "Oh, so you know," regard again, again, please don't. I don't want to take this the wrong way as far as like what he did being so honorable, but like, you know, basically what you're telling somebody is you could take a year off, you can do what you need to do, and then you're just going to walk right back into your position. It just doesn't work that way, yeah. you know, because there's, there's 53 players and a lot of support folks depending on this team to do well, and they've got to make those good decisions. So I, I, was, I was actually more interested in, in the second team. Yeah, you know, that um, second team is really good. That my God, team. right? Holy smokes. I mean, you know, starting with Lucas, right? You know, coming, coming back and, and uh, you know, and doing, yeah. doing his thing at left tackle. Nick Allegretti, I thought that was a, that was a good sign for him, you know, mm-hmm. running with the twos, uh, you know, and then you got Austin Blythe, obviously, which was the big pickup, right, in free agency. That was so interesting that, you know, I, old days, I'm old school, right, old school football, Rookies very rarely got the nod the way that Creed Humphrey is. Well, I think I think it's 1999. I mean, it's a 1991. Uh, you know, and it, it happened with Tim, right, with Grunny, right, who's going up in the Chiefs Hall of Fame this year. He didn't walk right in. Mike Webster, you know, was the starting center. Now Tim earned that job pretty early on, um, but nonetheless, you know, so old school says Austin Blythe is starting at the number one. But hey, it's a new world. It's a new kind of, it's a new era of football and uh, Creed Humphreys is looking at the starter, you know, and then obviously we talked about LDT at, at the right guard spot. And then I thought Andrew Wiley was interesting, right. To, to go um, getting some reps there to, to see if he can learn, learn the position and pres- provide that depth that he can provide by being able to play both guard and tackle. So I think they've got some good things going um, on the O-line. I th- it's really interesting, pretty much like we predicted other than, I might have said that LDT would be in the first group, but now that I think about it, I'm going to take that statement back and say I think the Chiefs are doing the right thing by by the statement that they're making by putting that first group out there. Trey Smith, man, if going with the ones, six-round pick, 226th pick in the 2021 NFL draft. What value? Even, even if he doesn't end up, you know, their week one of the regular season, still showing tremendous value. And Joe, that's my question to you. I, I, do you expect kind of a lot of movement? I mean, it's just day one here. Do you expect this right side to be in flux a little bit here? I, I, I think so. I, I, I think, I think, I think I'll make a, I'll make a prediction. We used to have this, we used to have this saying in, 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 in the locker room, in the chief's locker room, we called it the black box statement. And I think it was, I think it was Coach Schottenheimer's brother, Kurt, right? Everybody knows Kurt was, you know, our special teams guru during the uh, late 80s and 90s, right? I think he was the first, if I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on this, but I think he was the first person that used to say, he would call them black box statements. And so what you were doing is you were mentally taking this black box, like a suggestion box, and whenever anybody would make a statement that was predictive of the future, you were putting like a you were putting like a note into the black box, right? So here's my black box statement, 
right? That I think we can, you and I can open up in, you know, five weeks, six weeks when the season starts and we can say, yeah, Joe was right or Joe was wrong. Um, here's my black box statement. LDT is going to be the starting right guard. I just, I just, I have, I have a, a feeling, you know, I think, I think Trey Smith, Smith may be ultimately the steal of the draft, right? I really do. If, if he's running with the ones and he has that, con- they have that confidence for him um, coming out. Um, I don't see why. I mean, he's not, he obviously was dealing with some things that the chiefs are very comfortable with. He's a really good player, right? He played at Tennessee. Like this isn't a guy that, you know, you know, was playing at, you know, podunk U. like this guy, he's a football player. So he's going to have a great career, but here's my black box statement. I'll repeat it again. I think LDT will be the starter. So I don't think we'll see as much movement once they decide and they get into the real heart of it and, and the, you know, and everything is flying around and the preseason games have started. I, I think, I think Lauren uh, Duvernay Tardif is, is the starting right guard. And then I think Remmers holds on to that spot. So I think minus Trey, I think that's going to be the starting line. And then Trey will be that solid backup and they'll develop him. And he's going to be an incredible player uh, in the league. You know, Joe, I'm with you. And the other thing too, um, you know, Duvernay Tardif's contract is structured. He, you know, he gets the extra year because of, because of uh, COVID. You, what people weren't penalized by that year. That's how the NFL made the rules. But he doesn't have a lot left on his contract. So I kind of think uh, LDT starts out the year, but then Trey Smith is the future. Like I, th- I, I mm-hmm. so I, I think LDT starts, but I don't think he's with the team in 2022 uh, as a starter or a backup. And I, I think Trey Smith is the star. That's kind of the way uh, I see it. And I, anyhow, it, it's going to be really interesting just so early on. And you look, we mentioned that, that backup unit. There's a lot of guys who, if they don't make the Chiefs, they might not, they might only land on another team. They might end up starting on that team. So it's going to be great fun to see who emerges uh, out of this 10 deep, at least, offensive line. 10 deep. That doesn't even include Kyle Long, who's. Who's um who who's not practicing yet? He's still good. Right, I think he's on the puff. Right, he's on the, on the physically mm-hmm. unable to perform list. But you got Nick Allegretti, starter, Austin Bly, starter, Laurent Duvernay Tardif, starter, Andrew Wiley, starter. I mean, you know, Lucas obviously has some things to work out, and and you know, the COVID year and everything. But um, you know, you got four you got four former starters. That's very unusual. Yeah. Right. And then Kyle, right? Kyle, who's on? You, know, so you got five. So you got five starters. That's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. So, you know, look, I think it's one, look, we have, we have t- talked about this, you know, a ton this off season. I mean, this is, you know, this is exactly what Brett Beach wanted and, and what, what the talent folks wanted. And obviously that trickles down to, you know, Andy and Eric Bianami running the show on the field. This is what they wanted. They did not want to happen what happened in the Super Bowl. So it's all it's all coming true. And then obviously once the pads get on, and we'll see how how things shake out. Uh, the other interesting note, Joe, here as we're as training camp is just kind of getting started, was what they were doing. We've talked a lot about um, edge rushers and what what they're going to mm-hmm. do. You know, Frank Clark's future could be in jeopardy, and Chris Jones moving to get more time at defensive end, and and that was definitely occurring. That they were. Uh, and they were moving around. Chris Jones and Frank Clark were kind of swapping left and right defensive end positions um, th- throughout, which is, which is interesting. It makes sense. You know, do you think back in the day, 
it, it was like, oh, you had the left tackle was the supreme tackle. And so you had your, your best guy there and you had your best guy then on defense on your right side. Joe, is that, is that still true? I get the sense that it's more, it's a little bit more even left and right are, are both. Well, how, how do you as, as, as a former offensive lineman who really knows the position? No, it's, it's a great point, you know, Jeff, and you throw in, and then you also throw into that analysis that, that, that the left side offensively is the quarterback's blind side, right? Because, right, right. you know, 90% of your quarterbacks are, are right-handed. So, you know, you, you've got the blind side, right? You, you, you don't want to see the Derek Thomases and the Frank Clarks of the world coming at you. But, you know, I, it just, I, I have to go with, with your thought there that it's evening out because I think what you're seeing is I think you're seeing defensive schemes now where, you know, why wouldn't you want to have a Derek Thomas rushing on the right side of the offense, right? So that the quarterback sees him coming. You know, Derek had a ton of just devastating blindside hits. He was so good. And the thing that Derek used to do so well, as every Chiefs fan can remember, you go back and watch his highlights from the 90s, you know, that swipe of the ball, that chop that he would do for the quarterback who had that ball cocked behind his head, Derek was a master at creating fumbles. And, and a lot of edge rushers are good at that, right? They're so good at getting their arms in there, uh, you know, and, and, and getting the ball, right, when you're coming from the blind side. But, you know, maybe, maybe it's a defensive philosophy that coaches are taking to say, hey, why not have that, that massive main rusher coming in your face? So that you, so that the quarterback can see him coming, so that he then either tries to get rid of the ball more quickly, take a step up into the pocket more quickly. I mean, I, I was thinking back on that. And once you made that comment, I was like, man, if I were a quarterback, I don't know if I'd want to see Derek Thomas coming at me every time. <laughs> right, I don't right. know if I'd want to see Chris Jones or Frank Clark coming at me every time, because you know you got to admit the right side of the off, of the offense for a right-handed quarterback, they're going to see that more. And that is, that's a scary thing to feel that pressure all the time. And, you know, at the very least, I think a lot of quarterbacks probably felt some sense of um, almost relief that they didn't have to see Derek coming. They just felt him at the end when he, you know, smacked into them. But, um, it, you know, hey, that could be something that defensive coordinators are thinking about now. Let's, let's, let's get out. Let's break the mold. Let's do something different. Let's change it up and not have it be this typical, you know, standard – speed rusher on the left tackle and, you know, power rusher like a Neil Smith or, you know, on, on the right side. So, Hey, it's, it's definitely something worth thinking about and giving a shot as, you know, plus as quarterbacks become a little smarter and they become a little, you know, become a little bit more, uh, you know, they're just, they just seem to be more adept at, at the game than they did back in the day when they were, you know, just straight drop back quarterbacks. My question for you, uh, Joe, my last question here, you know, veterans finally here in training camp. Um, did you have kind of like a, a last supper, if you will, before going to training camp? Did you have a routine like you and your wife went to a certain restaurant or something? And of course, it was a little bit different for you. You had longer camps and you were also all the way in River Falls, so far away, where these guys at least are in St. Joe. So even if they're in the dorms, it's still a little bit easier to get, uh, get back when they do get the, the time off. So yeah, I'm, I'm just curious, Joe, tell, tell the listeners. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely, um, you know, we didn't have anything very specific that we mm -hmm. did before each training camp. Cause they were all a little different, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, life for 
an NFL player changes sometimes just as fast as, you know, uh, it does for, for, for everybody who goes on a business trip, right? Like one, one day, uh, you know, player might have, you know, no kids. And then the next training camp, they have a one-year-old and it changes your routine. And the same was, you know, even though we didn't have kids at the time, um, it definitely for Jen and I, the training camp routines changed, right? Because my, my first year, Jen and I didn't, you know, we weren't married and, and, um, we were engaged. Um, but she was at home, you know, before I left for training camp. So I, you know, I flew out to Kansas city myself and kind of, you know, was in a hotel, you know, with, with, uh, you know, Tim Barnett. Right. So that was, he was my roommate. And, uh, you know, so the next year in 1992, you know, Jen and I got, we got, we got married, um, in 1992. So for the next training camp, we were married. So yeah, there was like all this feeling of like, Oh my God, I'm going off. Like I was going overseas to war or something. <laughs> World war II. Like I was never going to come back. Cause I knew what my rookie training camp was like. And you know, it, it, you know, we always joked when Marty, Marty time was Lombardi time and we, we were gone. You didn't see anybody. You didn't talk to anybody. Like, you know, you just went away and that was it. I mean, I just remember many tearful nights, like just crying to wanting to go home you know, <laughs> after six weeks. And even when we would go home for games, we, we've, we've didn't get to see people for very long. We would go home, you know, we'd spend, and we didn't even get to go home, home. We would stay at the Adams Mark hotel across the street during training camp, home games uh, of preseason games. And, you know, it was like, go to the hotel, go to the stadium, play the game, go back to river falls. Like there was no like, Hey, go home for a day or two and spend time with your family. It was like, Nope, you come in six o'clock, say hi to your family, maybe have dinner at the hotel meetings, go play the preseason game, go home, go back to river falls. Crazy. Um, and then, you know, so as the, as the years were progressing and then all of a sudden then Jen got a teaching job and she was teaching school. So we had all these, you know, these strange different routines, but my, my favorite, pre-camp memory though was when Lamar Hunt opened up worlds of fun and oceans of fun to, to the chiefs organization. I, that was a blast, like getting to go on rides with people and getting to play the, you know, the, the games, uh, you know, the skill games at, at the park and getting to like eat and socialize with everybody in the organization. Right. Mr. Hunt opened up the whole, the whole organization to come to worlds of fun and oceans of fun to, you know, spend time. So, you know, hanging out with all the support folks and the tickets and HR and facilities and everything, and just seeing everybody in that light and having fun with them before training camp was definitely one of my favorite pre-camp uh, training, training camp memories of, of, of before we, before we shipped out. And, uh, and it was a great, great way for spouses to meet and significant others and siblings or whoever was able, who was in town to go to worlds of fun to spend time with, uh, with all the other people. So Jen, I remember that first time she went and got to meet all these, you know, family members of, of teammates and things. So really just, again, another testament to the professionalism and care of, of the hunt family. That, that is so cool Lamar. And I will never get, tired of listening to your stories of Sean Iris training camps. Oh, I'm glad that I wasn't there. <laughs> Jeff, they're, they're, they're etched in, they're etched in my brain, buddy. They are just the, the I, I actually do get a little bit of a pit in my stomach around the middle of July when I start thinking about going away to camp and what that felt like when I hear the cicadas, you know, and I know that it's like, you know, you hear them out in the summer and it's the weather's changing and you're like, oh my God, it's camp time. And just get like, I get so, I get panicked. Like, please. 
<laughs> well, on that note, uh, don't worry. We're getting Joe. We're going to hydrate him. We're going to give him some. We're going to sweet talk and we're going to bring him down for this. But if you, if you enjoy this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.